ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello. Welcome to the show. It's called Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, but all the cool kids call it Rehef. Well, there's quite a few of you, and that was a bit scary. Fucking hell. This is a Tuesday. What are you all doing here? Uh, uh, Brendan Burns is supposed to be the guest today, but we'll see if he turns up. Uh, So uh, hopefully he'll be here. Um, (laughs) uh, He's here, don't worry. Uh, I sense some tension. I've had a brilliant review in the the Metro today. It's unbelievable. Um, They... um, for, for my other show, Talking Cock, they only go up to five stars. It's got six stars. Uh, it says, um, it says, it, it's kind of a mate. I can't quite believe uh, the review. I, I mean, it's a, I know I'm showing off a bit by reading it out, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely the funniest and cleverest comedy show of all time, uh, <laughs> as well as the most affecting piece of drama in the past two and a half millennia of the theatre. I mean, it's, uh, you should commit murder for a ticket, though check to see if there are any at the box office first. Um, <laughs> Amazing, so that's incredible, isn't it? That's that's the review there. So uh, it's uh, I'm I'm just bowled over it, and so hopefully that will help with, uh, with sales. It's been a bit quiet in Edinburgh, as uh, as apparently now it's all over chortled me saying that. But it, I did uh, I did write a blog about how it's a bit quiet and there aren't that many people around. Everyone's suffering a little bit, but not here tonight in the stand. It's afternoon in the stand. We're packed out, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm I'm sort of I go to the Virgin uh, Active Gym every day. Uh, I'm not uh, advertising them because, um, A, once I went there and I washed my hair in the shampoo and it smelt like there was faeces in it. <laughs> but I only realised that once it was on my head, they claimed it wasn't faeces, but I think it was. I could have sued them, I reckon. I just let it go and decided to bring it up every now and again. Uh, but uh, to teach Richard Branston a lesson. Uh, yeah, Richard Branston, that is his name. Uh, but uh, they, you know, you, it's quite expensive to be a member of Virgin Gym. It means you can use any Virgin Gyms around the country. If you go to the Edinburgh Virgin Gym and you remember, they give you a free towel to dry yourself and wipe your you know, testicles on. Well, you can do, what you, you can do whatever you like with them. Uh, and, uh, but if you're not a member of the Virgin Gym in Edinburgh, they make you pay a pound. A pound! I paid a pound for a, a towel, which I think is unreasonable, because that's 30 extra quid if I go every day, which I almost pretty much have been. So it's kind of become my mission to try and steal towels from... Uh, the, it's like I've, I'm a bit obsessed with cold it's this Edinburgh, because I've been watching it on, um, on DVD, and I sort of feel like I'm in this, the towel committee of... Of, of cold, it's some. Most of them don't bother instituting. I have to say, most of the most people can't be bothered. But there are someone who goes, "Do you want a towel?" And I know that. And if I, I know if I say yes, they'll say it's a pound. So I go no, and then I've, so I've got some tips for you if you're in the same situation as me. A, just go past, but then a bit later come back and just get one. That is one of the clever tricks I've got. It's quite clever. See, I could be in cold. It's uh, also uh, if you just go to the swimming pool, they're lying on all the benches anyway for free. So there's two good reasons. What I do is I steal, I've stolen one. To, I'm going to give it back. I'm not a thief. Well, I am a bit of a thief. Uh, but uh, I'm going to give it back at the end. But I've got one in, in case I can't ever get one. I've got one in my bag that I carry around with all the time. So take that, Richard Branston. Uh, so uh, that, that's uh, what I'm wearing. I'm going to try a bit of uh, Michael McIntyre-style observational comedy. I've tried Peter Kay. It hasn't worked. I'm not, I'm not very good at doing uh, remembering things that people think they've forgotten but haven't forgotten. I'm not very good <laughs> I choose things that they have forgotten, and that is not that only I remember, and that apparently isn't good for nostalgia com- comedy. Um, but I'm going to do some observational comedy about sunglasses. I've got some sunglasses. Can you see them? I, lo- I keep losing my sunglasses because I'm an idiot, and I lost this pair of sunglasses. I've read the joke now. Uh, I've lo- I lost this pair of sunglasses, and um, finally I was searching for about four or five days, and then I just thought, oh, it's def- I've definitely lost them. So I bought a new pair of sunglasses, and then 
the minute I bought the new pair of sunglasses, I kind of reached into my bag and my, these, this pair of sunglasses are in there. It's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, what well, are the chances I've got two pairs of sunglasses? Luckily, I'll you know, probably lose one of them quite soon, so it'll be useful having two. No? Okay. Uh, £32.50 a ticket I was going to charge for that. Like it's no, it's harder than it looks. It's a difficult thing. Doesn't that ever? Does that ever happen to you? You lose, and then you, the minute you buy them again, the old, old ones turn up, don't they? It's like there's a sunglasses um, elf. <laughs> Can't be bothered to do it. Uh, so uh, look, we're going to get our guest on before he gets uh, falls asleep again. Uh, so uh, which is what happened. Like Bre- Brendan was meant to be. If you don't know, Brendan was meant to be on the show uh, about a week ago. Uh, and what happened? We'll probably talk about it, as he fell as- fell asleep. And not on the show. It would be all right if he'd been on the show. That would have been okay. We could have drawn cocks on his faces and stuff. <laughs> on his faces? Yeah. <laughs> Brendan and B- Burn- Burnsy versus Brendan. Oh, dear. Anyway. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he is a very two-faced comedian. Will you please welcome, from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, on ITV2, <laughs> for, for two episodes before he was sacked. Will you please... I, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can rebut later on. Uh, at the moment, it's just me at the mic. Uh, he was convicted in Australia of paedophilia and has had to come has had to come to the UK, where people don't know about his past. Will you please welcome Brendan Burns, ladies and gentlemen? He's here. He's actually here. <laughs> He's here in person. He is touching. He's real. He's good. Convicted of <laughs> I managed to disprove that. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's the, they, the, the accusations always stick. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm so sorry. I really am so. That's very, okay. Very what sorry. happened? Take us through what happened. Uh, it was. I'd been in Montreal. I was still on Montreal time, and I was staying in an Edinburgh flat with a hard mattress. And it was about nine a.m. And I'd only had like three days of four hours sleep. So at nine a.m., I took two sleeping tablets. And uh, like an idiot, didn't check my schedule for the day, and I slept through the whole thing. And then my PR, my PR goes, "Have you had to replace your mattress?" I said, "Yeah." And they said, "That could be a diary piece." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And they're going, "Oh, it's all column inches." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's go and see the amazing spoiled prick who can't." <laughs> oh, you haven't got your super king in the country. That guy ought to be hysterical. <laughs> It's, uh, it's lucky you didn't die because I was sl- slagging you off a bit. So if, if it, I'd, the podcast had gone out, then it turned out and Brendan, turned Brendan out, Burns yeah. didn't turn up because he overdosed on sleeping pills <laughs> as he came back. Oh, a drubbing from a couple of posh boys. I think I'll cope. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you presumed my act to be nothing but fuck, cunt, fuck, cunt. <laughs> While one posh guy went, oh. <laughs> Pretty want to look at who you're pandering to there, young Richard Herring. <laughs> so uh, you, you used to take a lot of drugs. So sleeping pills is, uh, you know, is that is that you, you've kind of eased off of that uh, arena, have you? Yeah, I'm like two and a half years yeah. sober, but six years of trying to be sober. I yeah. relapsed two and a half years ago. <laughs> anyone that wants to make any presumptions about me this is the most middle class relapse anyone has ever had like if you ever like I always say to people if you're struggling with the idea of you're an alcoholic or not fucking find out because it's four years of jonesing is just horrible because it's really if I drink I'm just trying to get to coke but you know what I relapsed on I relapsed at Christmas time on brandy butter <laughs> 
And I thought, like, oh, I can handle brandy butter. And then it's like 3 a.m. I'm in the my dad's fridge just stuffing my face. And then three days later, I found myself in a situation I didn't want to be in. Let's just say it was a girl that looked like Pete Burns. <laughs> but in fairness, it was actually the first time, like, I now am so happy being sober. Yeah. Whereas, like, not ha- being not happy and sober is just... Uh, I, I liken it to... This isn't funny, but for some reason, Jimmy Carr thought there was something in it. And uh, <laughs> that's Jimmy for you. He goes, that's quite apt. There's got to be a joke there. No, it's just apt. <laughs> uh, was that people often, they count their clean time. Yeah. Uh, but to me, that seems like a, uh, an analogy to that is... Say you've spent 10 years in a prison. Then you get out and you check into a five-star hotel... It's not like you get out chalk and start marking on the wall <laughs> how many days you've been there, right? And so, again, see, I told you, it's not funny. <laughs> Apt. And if anyone can think of a joke around that, I'd love it. No one can. Anyone? See? No. If only it was this easy, we could just ask the audience to write, we'll come up with the, con- the conceits, and then you give us the punchlines. That could work. <laughs> I need one for my towel routine, my, ta- my sunglasses routine. I thought it was good. Didn't think it was good. You're quite young. How old are you? 16. Bless your cotton Aww. face. Hey! <laughs> you do it for a girl in prison? Hey! <laughs> uh, see, I put you, the voice on and everything. You're happy are you here on? Are you here on your own? Is that your dad there? He's sitting quite a long way away. Out of embarrassment. Because there was an old woman who was trying to get off with young boys. Is that why you've come? You heard the podcast, yeah? <laughs> yeah, there's a Margaret was here ready, prowling, sniffing around. She'd love you. I tell you, what's your name? James, I'm, nice to meet you, James. We'll try to keep the swearing down. Now that we know there's a 16-year-old yeah, in there. <laughs> Although, admittedly, it is like a lot of uh, a lot of English acts will like. <laughs> it is remarkable being an Australian working in England because I've seen new acts feel free to be condescending about my act before bringing me on. <laughs> and then like, oh, this next guy just goes, fuck, cunt, fuck, cunt. Then I go on and do my act, and then the guy afterwards goes, fuck, cunt, fuck, cunt. And everyone's under the impression that all I did was fuck, cunt, fuck, cunt. When as far as I could tell, it was every English guy around me. <laughs> so what do you do, Brendan? Hashtag great story. <laughs> what, do, what, what, what? Do you find that because you did do a lot of material about your kind of uh, battle between your various personalities and you on stage and you off stage, and I guess a lot of stuff came out of you well, going crazy on drugs and drinks. So do you, is that kind of a difficult thing now to find? Uh, it was actually a lot of my friends like used to say, like in the early days, in the first ten years, I actually kind of based a lot of my um, uh, room psychology on the bad guy in wrestling, in that I just wanted a reaction. So the thing is, and I didn't really have the skills or stagecraft. But I thought, you know what, I still want to be the guy. There was still like an attention-seeking thing, naturally. Uh, And I just like, I want to be the guy they're talking about the next day, right? So I used to think, well, if I'm not like absolutely killing the gig, I'm going to like just go down in flames (laughs) and just make sure that everyone has the worst night they've ever had because I still wanted that. And a lot of my friends used to say to me, but that's not what you're like in real life. Um, you know. And I used to always declare, oh, it's the 10-year joke, the 10-year joke. And this was the idea, was uh, strap in, it's nuts, was (laughs) I was under the impression that I was going to behave in a particular, uh, a a particularly inelegant fashion for like 10 years on and off stage so that I would confuse everyone that I was like this boorish oaf. And then after 10 years, I would then do this show 
where I addressed the two parts of my personality and I would come out and say that I was just putting it on. But the thing is, I did it to the extent where I then forgot that I was doing it <laughs> and went completely fucking mental. And, uh, and it turns out that I wasn't that clever and that it wasn't worth it. <laughs> Do you know what it's very like, Brendan? It's very like the Tweedledum episode of The Cold It's 1972 uh, drama series. <laughs> In which someone fakes mental illness to try and get sent home from uh, the, from Colditz, but then spoiler alert, I've pretty much spoiled this episode, but, right, uh, but then turns out to actually go mentally ill and so they, and can't, irreversibly mentally ill. So that's that's the danger when you. But comedy is a lot, you know, a lot about playing roles, and we all play different roles, and you know, we are, I like skirting around with that kind of madness and pretending to be a bit more mad than I am and play myself a snooker in a basement. And when I'm doing that, I kind of think actually there's a danger, and there's sometimes when I'm when one of the characters is getting drunk and one of them isn't that I sort of think well is, am I actually going mad is there, you know the, I'm skirting around people are meant to be listening going has he actually gone mad he's playing snook against himself in his basement and commentating on it but have I actually gone mad as well yeah. so it's a, it's, a it's being crazy is awesome yeah <laughs> being crazy is unreal because you can delude yourself that you are anything finding out you might be crazy fucking sucks <laughs> because it's that uh, kind of you you are looking forever for that magic button it's either you are like is this the bit where i finally snap and finally go nuts or you go is this the one solution that people say like you know what drives you mad and it's like you know when they say what uh you know uh, what's going on in the mind of uh, someone that goes on a like shooting spree and it's like there's no one thing it's a thousand different things and then what brings you back to sanity is there's no one thing it's a thousand different things, and it's a slow, gradual process. But in, uh, it's interesting that you would say that. Uh, uh, Neil Hamburger, you familiar with Neil Hamburger, everyone? Yeah. Kind of? Okay. Kind of, explain. He's, uh, he's this American guy who released these albums of this bad stand-up, but it was like he's kind of breaking the, 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 the rules of like, uh, the machinations of, of set-up and punchline. So they sound reminiscent of punchlines, but then you actually realise that there's a thread logic through them. But he's like this horrible lounge act. And I, I've never seen someone more complete in their character because we were gigging together in Perth, my hometown, in a lawn bowls club. <laughs> you just, oh, yeah, let's go and see some lawn bowls and then some baffling punchlines. That'll, <laughs> that'll be good. And I've never seen a more complete character comic to the extent where I saw him backstage and went, Greg? And he went, yeah. And I went, are you fucking Neil Hamburger? And he goes, yeah, yeah. Like, to this day, even though I know him, I've spent time with him, I look at the character and I can't see Greg in there. I know we were talking about, like, you know, playing around with uh, audience psychology and people's reactions and so on. And I said, are you, like, just, you know, people sometimes dismiss that as, like, Kaufman-esque. And it's like, you know, I just want to piss people off to see what happens. But uh, I asked him, are you just filtering, like... Uh, I would much rather, when playing a broad room, I would much rather baffle 75% of the room and make a fan for life out of 25%. Because if you're working broad and you're not really representing what you do, then people come along and get disappointed. So it's all about percentages. It's all about whittling down the crowd and finding your audience. And I said, is that what you do? And he said, yeah, yeah, it is. But it's got to the stage now where he's released albums where he's dying on his ass, um, introducing Tenacious D, and it's hysterical. It's 20 minutes of hell, and he just keeps on winding up the crowd. It's a drunken rock and roll audience, and after, like, booing him for 15 minutes, he goes, all right, you cocksuckers, right, the moment we've all been waiting for, please, and the crowd starts to build, and he goes, please welcome... 
Tenacious D's roadie. And they go, and, and so it's got to the stage now where he has fans that come along and try and rile him. Yeah. And uh, they heckle him, and then he starts to tear into them. And he's going, oh, God, you know what? I'm getting so good at this now because it's, it's stand-up comedy. You know how, like, in an argument, on the way home you realise what you should have said? Stand-up comedy is 20 years of that car journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it, like, you, 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 these things happen, and he starts to write these, like, comebacks and these five-minute tirades to the extent where he then goes into this five-minute tirade that the fan has asked him to do, yeah. and he's outside of himself going, oh, God, this is, like, becoming shtick. Is this now part of my shtick? But he is so involved in the character and so removed from the character <laughs> at once that when he gets bottled... Like, he's had bottles thrown at him, and he says that he actually thinks inside his head, oh, no, this terrible thing's happening to Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know, it is, you, are, you are sort of playing, you know, you do, once you get into playing characters and roles on stage, you do, you do sort of start dividing those up. So when I'm, you know, if I'm playing Me 1 versus Me 2 snooker, you know, they're different, but they're different people. They're not, neither of them are me, and both of them are different people. So, you know, and you've got to sort of stay true, and I get angry on B2's behalf. You know, I'm generally, generally <laughs> upset when things go wrong. Uh, but you, you, you're a mentor to uh, Mick Foley, who was on the other week. That when, uh, Great guy, isn't he? Yeah, you he guys was amazing. For the Foley? Yeah. He, uh, he is such a comic. He is so one of us. Uh, like, uh, we, were on, we were touring New York together. And, um, you know, and I mean, he's not what people think, you know, it's, it's, he's a five-time New York bestseller, he was, uh, you know, he's, a, he's the main patron of Rain, the domestic shelter for sufferers, women of, uh, suffer- female sufferers of domestic violence right. and rape, he, uh, he was uh, the, one of the key celebrity endorsers and door knockers for Obama. He, uh, he was at the forefront of the March to Sanity movement, right? And, um, and still, you know, he talks about all these things and he, and he, and, and, and he kind of wants to run before he, he can walk. And he, uh, he goes, but I just wanted to show people that there's more to me. <laughs> and I was like, really? You want to show people that there's more to you than five-time New York bestseller <laughs> and three-time world champion? Really, addict boy? Really, comic? <laughs> and he was talking about his themes and... Um, uh, and again, you know, we talk about like getting a reaction from a crowd. And here is a guy that uh, comedy didn't find him till later in life. But he was, uh, he was the guy that changed the industry because everyone was going, oh, it's all fake. And then he's the answer to everything because it's like, really? He blew himself up with C4. <laughs> you know, they planned to do it, but it was still C4. <laughs> he doesn't have an ear. <laughs> you know, he's broken his back on numerous occasions. You can't fake a 20-foot drop onto a table. <laughs> all right, he agreed with The Undertaker to do it beforehand <laughs> and The Undertaker isn't actually dead. But... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we were talking about you know, like the the road, the road trips, and it was always I'll tell you it was always my my dream. I've been a huge wrestling fan, and people dismiss it immediately as you know it's pretend, don't you? And I'm like, do you like Star Wars? Right? Then fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it had always been my dream to go on the road with a wrestler and share road stories okay. because they're the most. You know, they're the most parallel industries. The, it's the only other art form where they adapt what where they have bits, and they ad- uh, adapt the bits based on the audience response. Yeah. And it was always my dream to go on the road and share road stories 
with a wrestler. And little did I know it was going to be my favourite of all time, the one that I could identify with the most. And, uh, and as I could never get this to work in front of a crowd, right? But I, I would tell a wrestling audience this, and then I would say, but I had to say to him while we're driving along, you know, in my dream, the minivan didn't smell quite so much of your fucking dog. <laughs> And the thing is, you try that in front of a wrestling fan, in front of Mick Foley fans, they're like, fuck you! Whose car can't smell of dogs? <laughs> and you know how they say you never meet your heroes yeah. um, because they'll only let you down? That's not... You know what? He is everything you would dream he was. I've never met someone that famous that makes you forget within three minutes. He's such a regular guy. However, I would suggest... Never stay at your hero's house <laughs> because his kids treat him like shit. And it's hard to hear. His nine-year-old is nine. That's his yeah. job. He's but dad, dad, dad. And I'm like, shut up, you little bastard. <laughs> He's Mick fucking Foley. <laughs> they threw him off a cage. <laughs> and so we got on. Uh, I mean, to say I'm his mentor is very complimentary of him. It's That's just, how he sees you. Um, I told him not to sleep in, though. I said, don't, yeah, yeah. don't t- turn up for gigs. I said, that's the, that's the first... If I was your mentor, that's the first thing well, I'd do. Well, we, we, we met through our, <laughs> we met through our, uh, our books. His book is my favourite book of all, all time. Right. It's really such an interesting story. And then a fan, a fan of mine was coming to see a pre-show before a DVD taping, and he said, I would come to the DVD taping, but uh, I'm going to see Mick Foley tomorrow. And I went, oh, really? So I, I said, is there a meet and greet? And uh, uh, he said, yeah. And I said, do me a favour. And I gave him a copy of my book and signed it to Mick. And so, uh, you know, I thought, there's no way this is going to get here. Then I find myself bumping into him in, in his green room at his Leicester Square show. The first thing he says, Brendan, I've got your book. <laughs> and, like, you just uh, you should have seen, I just blushed. so Because uh, like, <laughs> he's, like, six foot five in all directions. Yeah. And... <laughs> And he looks like your imaginary friend. He's like... (laughs) He does. He looks like a cross between a big cuddly bear and a lumberjack. And he's the size that your dad was when you were 15. (laughs) So you really want to cuddle from him. Because, look, no one becomes a wrestling fan or a comic without dad issues. (laughs) Really? You know, wrestling fan? Really? You like real-life superheroes, do you? Really, you like real-life superheroes that will inevitably let you down and turn bad? When Hulk Hogan turned heel, I would hazard that if the audience were honest with themselves, instead of throwing bottles, they would have been screaming, Daddy! Where are you? You love your mistress more than me! I'm glad I got you on, Brendan, because I needed a day where I took a back seat a bit. So uh, it's, um, I, knew, I knew you'd just be able to talk. I thought, you know, it's going to get to the middle of the fringe, and I'm just going to be too tight. I'm, I'm serious. I'm happy for you to carry on going. I'll get this in while I remember. If you, uh, I'm asking everyone this. So yes, this isn't sure. just because you're Australian and rude. If you, uh, if you had to have sex with an animal, if you had to, I mean, you Giraffe. make. Uh, <laughs> They're fucking gorgeous. (laughs) Have you seen a giraffe up close? They're big eyes. No, they've got like the long eyelashes. They are fucking stunning. They are. (laughs) They really are. They really are. (laughs) Has anyone answered the question before you finish? No, no. Some people people have really had to think hard about it. A few people have come in straight away. That is pretty good. Uh, If you had to have sex with a Doctor Who 
monster. Do you watch Doctor Who? Oh, no, I don't. Do they I'm have sorry. that in Australia? Uh, yeah, we do, yeah. but I don't watch it, actually. No. But I hear it's really good. I should yeah, it's it. all right. It's for kids. Uh, <laughs> grow up. You should all grow up. Not you. You're all right. You're, okay. you're, okay. you're allowed to like Doctor Who. It's for you. Uh, uh, as a, what do you call yourselves? Doctor Whoites or something? What do you call yourself, David? Whovians. <laughs> Whovians. But you Think call yourself fans of Doctor Who. So now, <laughs> I mean, as a fan of the original series, because the latest series is catered towards an American audience somewhat, isn't it? It's faithful, though. It's not... Oh, okay, so you're okay. When you heard that was going to happen, did you like... It's nothing sacred! <laughs> isn't that funny how Star Wars fans react to Yoda doing adverts? <laughs> like, it's nothing sacred! <laughs> well, not that. It's a fucking puppet. <laughs> you are worshipping false idols if you had to have sex with someone from Star Wars who would you have sex with oh, um, any non-human because Princess Leia with his, you know, right, I see. the hologram of Princess Leia would be pretty good I'd, I'd settle for that we were the perfect age as well for, for the, the, the first Star Wars trilogy yeah. in terms of discovering sexuality yeah because it's like, well, you know, Princess Leia was like this innocent kind of girl next door to begin with, and you were young, and you were like, ah. <laughs> right. and then uh, in Empire, she got a bit, like, mouthy, so that was like your teen years, and you're like, <laughs> I like her, she's got spunk. And, and then all of a sudden, in Jedi, you were... <laughs> 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 I was... Ja- Janet Ellis was my teenager. <coughs> that, that's, she was the progression. She was my guest on Sunday. Fantastic. Do you know the story about Matt Hardy's ex-girlfriend, Jin? You go and tell it. The, uh... This is going to really infuriate Star Wars fans. Yeah. Me and Ed Byrne, we hadn't seen her for a number of years. She's this gorgeous, tall, uh, black model, right? And um, we hadn't seen her for a number of years, and she'd just been in the fifth element. And, uh, and we said, oh, oh, hey, Jen, I haven't seen you for ages. What have you been doing? And she goes, oh, I'm in the first Star Wars movie. And we're like... <laughs> Sorry, I spat <laughs> all over that woman's That's face. That's what she came here for. They sit in I've the front row for the bodily any fluids. of the good work. <laughs> well, uh, it's pretty impressive. Me, spit. Yeah, if you t- it was you like didn't... an ejaculation. It was like it, it was. looked like. I'm not convinced that it wasn't sperm. Actually, I think it, <laughs> he may have been backstage. He was very apologetic before the show. Let's just say that uh, he, 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 he said, was... "I'll I'll make this up to you, Richard, any way I can." <laughs> Carry on, Spunk. If it's a girl, name it Brenda. Um, And so she goes, Yeah, I'm in the first Star Wars movie. And this is before we'd seen the first Star Wars movie and been quite angered by it. And uh, and we're like, What? She goes, Yeah, I'm a Jedi. And we're like, What? (laughs) And she goes, Yeah, what's the deal with that? I've never seen him. We were like, what? She goes, I'm on the Jedi Council. I've got my own lightsaber. They're making an action figure. And we had to... Look, she was a tall woman, but it was hard not to punch her in the face. <laughs> that's despicable, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Sh- well, yeah, that's, what, that's the world of acting, though, isn't it? They often... They're just actors. They're just little puppets that will do whatever they're told. They don't need to know anything. <laughs> they just s- s- say what they're... You tell them what to say, they do it. My wife cannot listen to actors being interviewed. Yeah. Because it's always like, you know, they always talk about, like, the character they're playing in the third person. You go, well, she's a very deep person. It's, it's made up! <laughs> <laughs> she's not real! 
Turn up, say your lines, bugger off. <laughs> so what happened on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, really, then, Brendan? Uh, I walked off after three days. Wow. Um, it was actually the inspiration for the So I Suppose show. Right. Because they put a cork hat on my head, and uh, uh, it was on a live camera. It was three days of pulling teeth. To cut a long story short, they said, you know, uh, they offered me a ton of money and went, we want to make the format edgy, uh, you know. And so then I'm, I'm like, I don't belong here. And then, like, they're, so they're sticking me in between, like, Lady Victoria Harvey and <laughs> Jeff Brazier, who's only famous because he chucked his muck up Jade Goody. Right? And, <laughs> don't back off just because she's dead, all right? <laughs> and, uh, she and, was alive when he chucked her, his, uh, yeah. his muck up. So it is fair, you know, he's not that bad. He does a lot of work for Scope. He's a very nice man. <laughs> and uh, so, like, by day three, and I think is I had my friends Paul Bird and Matt Kirshen on as well, and it was their kind of Christmas money, right. you know, so it was their jobs too. And I just, like, I'm, I'm sitting between these people and I'm not allowed to ask the only question I want to, which is, so what's the point of you ever? <laughs> and so by day three I'm tearing what little hair I've got left out and I'm just and I'm saying to Paul this just sucks this is just the worst thing ever but this is your job too and Paul Byrne God bless him said Brendan you know you fought tooth and nail to bring me with you you're the reason I'm here but if tonight live on air <laughs> you feel the need while crossing back to a camera to Kelly frickin' Osborne if you feel the need to go, you've all got AIDS! <laughs> I will run on after you and go, how much AIDS? <laughs> and we will sod off from ITV in a blaze of glory. <laughs> and so at the end of the show, as people are phoning in, to guess karaoke tunes played on a didgeri-fucking-do. <laughs> I am rubbing my skull. <laughs> Jeff Brazier then puts a cork hat on my head and goes, that's your hat, mate. And as I'm looking into a live television camera with these corks swinging like windscreen wipers to the soul... And I just turned to the guy and it was just one of those beautiful metaphors in life when I just took the hat off and I went, you know what, mate? This really isn't my hat. <laughs> if you had any idea of my previous work, you would realise how hysterical it is that I'm now in fucking light entertainment! <laughs> and I went, I'm off, Kelly, good night. And I stormed off. And, uh, and the thing is, it was... Uh, <laughs> And I kind of wandered off stay, uh, you know, I wandered off to the back room and they were very nice about it. But it was like, I was really, I, the funny thing was, that was why it was the inspiration for the So I Suppose show. Because yeah. I, of all people, was offended. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really pretentious about it. I was like, you know, I, I was just like, you, you know what, You're a cork hat? How dare you? What, if I was black, would you make me hold a fucking spear? How dare you? <laughs> And then, uh, of course, whenever you get into that situation, the final joke was on me because I went back to Australia to do a live TV show on Australia Day and I looked out in the audience, everyone fucking caught that! <laughs> and then, uh, not long after that, I was out at Uluru and I was talking to a tribal Aboriginal guy and it was just when the, um, the race... Uh, 
the, the race scandal happened on Big Brother. Right, oh yeah. And so, uh, and I saw everyone kind of divided into one of two rather trite schools of thought. And that was either those girls are wrong and evil, and I've never done anything like that, they must be condemned, or the atypical Little John kind of, oh, this is just political quickness gone mad, and I'm going to use this as my excuse to carry on being a prick. So we wrote a show which uh, kind of took, a, uh, you know, lampooning, lampooning? Yes, lampooning! Uh, lampooning those kind of two rather trite schools of thought, and then yeah. we manufactured a situation where everyone in the audience then fell into one of those two schools of yeah, thought. Yeah. Oh, no, it was what it, we won the uh, Comedy Award, wherever it was called that year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whoever was sponsoring it that year. It worked, uh, out, it worked uh, out all right, yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, it worked out all right. Oh. Hashtag great story. <laughs> and it all worked out, okay. And you've been, actually, I mean, I'm going to talk about this, was the, you, you put out your last show as a download on the internet for... Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I'm terrible at plugging. No, but I? it's also the interesting... Spot I, the man that didn't inherit his father's business, <laughs> acumen. <laughs> But uh, you, uh, you, you basically done this. I mean, it's the Louis C.K.'s, I guess. Did the, it first. the model? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a perfect avenue. Thank you so yeah. much for rescheduling yes, me. It is. This is the perfect <laughs> place. Uh, yeah, they can go to my website www.brendanburnscomedian.com, and it was great because you know the guys from PS gave me completely. You know, the executive producer credit I get is not one of vanity or cosmetic. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I was hands on with everything. And I didn't have to pander to anyone. I didn't have to be sit in meetings where people with red rimmed glasses are condescending to me. It just, you know, I got to put it out there the way that I wanted to do it. And um, and I really do think, you know, through podcasting and so on, yeah. I, I discussed it recently that whilst everyone is complaining that comedy is going to mainstream, it's like, no, it's peeling off into two different ways. The bottom, yeah. bottom line is there's never been a better time. If you want to work broad, there's more people working, turning, you know, touring arenas than ever. Yeah. If you want to build your own audience... There's never been a better time. Actually, I wanted to talk about something. <laughs> was we haven't spoken since Mongate. Yes. How'd that argument work out for you? <laughs> I meant to ring you immediately and go, this is going to come back to bite you on the ass <laughs> in six months' time. Well, it was, you know, it was interesting. Obviously, it was, uh, um, this was where Ricky Gervais was. And, you know, I'm, I think people are allowed to do... To, do whatever they want, say whatever they want. I'm not. I'm completely for freedom of speech. And all I said was, as Ricky Gervais was just posting pictures of himself pulling a face and saying hello, Mongs. I suggested that that wasn't all that funny. And maybe, maybe would you would you say would you black up and say hello, Packies? Is what is what I was saying. Because for me, it's the same thing. But did it, you agree with me that when there was an outrage? Uh, Nothing makes me laugh harder. Frankie Ball's material never makes me laugh harder than when it's being regurgitated by a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It was like the Hmong thing, you know, I was like dismissive at first and then everyone was jumping up and down. I'm going, now this is funny. (laughs) And I went to... uh, Because it must have come back to bite you on the ass because you then... Uh, I wanted to ring you and go, be careful, dude, because... But, you know, but I was never saying... I was, I, you know, I, I, all I did was write a blog about it and I was very careful oh, about it. Oh, Richard. But all I did, I wrote... You showed a picture of you <laughs> running for scope. <laughs> that is the exact same <laughs> argument. <laughs> that is the exact same argument as I'm a Christian and I'm offended. <laughs> exactly, no, verbatim. It's not, I'm saying, you know, I'm just saying you've got to think about language. You know, I think someone like Jerry Sadovitz would use the word Paki and would use the word Mong, and I'd be perfectly happy with it. With a man like Ricky Gervais just using the word Mong without thinking about it, it's exactly the same. It's, you know, would you just put, hello, niggers? Is that, you know, as, a, as an opening in, on Twitter? Well, it depends Do who you I'm would, playing to. Yeah, but, but you... 
but you know, you would you would think even you, even you, Brendan Burns, with your just your act being just saying fucking cunt over and over again. Yeah. You you think very carefully. You I think do. very carefully about the way whether the fuck comes after the cunt or whether there's two fucks. You think very. And all I was saying is, you know, you should think about this stuff. And I think it's interesting that the that there's this casual, you know, throwing away of jokes about disabled people that you wouldn't do about black people or black Pakistani people or gay people anymore and that therefore disabled people are fair game and also other you know are the weakest people in society at least like and all those other well and all those you know literally some of them are unable to answer back to, to that to that accusation but isn't there a and degree so, in condescension then that there's people that are viewed as less than that we have to protect them from themselves and no no other? no I just think you, all I was asking for you know and it's freedom of speech you're allowed to say it I'm just saying think about the way you use it and it's I think to me it's interesting and that's literally what I did. I didn't get involved in the arguments. People were going, oh, you... You know, it's funny, because you and I, two years before, were in trouble in The Guardian for being the, yeah. the, the leaders in this world of new offensiveness, uh, which was also untrue. And, you know, I've been criticised on Twitter for being on my high horse yogurt knitting, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, also, and also for being, you know, and also being... Um, being like sexist and misogynist, you know, so, pe- so people will take different things. So I think if I've managed to offend both extreme feminists and yeah, and, yeah. and extreme, the you know, I'd, but I, I, I was it was extraordinary the way it happened. In that, just did you see that I came off like an idiot? I did breakfast telly, and I suck on telly because it's just well, you know, I, I kind of I, I have adrenaline problems as it is, and I go naught to ten, and any time I'm on telly, and I, you know, you you, you see, I need time to stretch an idea. And uh, I I just, the adrenaline kicks in and I just like, I I try and blurt out too many ideas too quickly and I just come off as oafish. (laughs) But I was so booked to fail because it was, uh, and that was the interesting thing about that argument is aren't we living in an an era now where, you know, international communication is, is such that words are evolving forever you know, they're evolving at a rate that they never have in the past. And I, the thing is, I was booked on breakfast television and I was just, you know, there to say that argument and that also that any time you'd go to make that argument, it'll always come back to bite you in the ass. But they weren't allowed to say any of the words. And they just said broadly, well, these words are derogatory to disability. And I'm like, well, thanks to you, now you've perpetuated that and we don't even know what they are. We're not allowed to say them. But to make matters worse, just before me, there was a woman in a wheelchair who uh, there's brand new technology allowing her to stand. So it was. she stood up and it was such a heart-wrenching, moving moment of this woman so glee-filled going, can I have a hug? I can walk. I can walk. And they're going, and now here's Brendan Byrne to defend, <laughs> Brendan Byrne to defend the word spastic, you know? And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, oh, it's not what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, mum. <laughs> but no, I'm very, I'm very open to... Uh, to uh, free, you know, it's quite, what you got out of that is people going, "Don't you believe in freedom of speech?" And I go, "Yeah, but don't you believe in freedom of speech?" I'm allowed to say, "Yes, that's... I'm allowed to say back that I think what you're doing is wrong." Freedom of speech doesn't go, "You're a fucking idiot." Oh. No, you can't say anything back. <laughs> I can't agree with you more. If like a woman is considered like a a, a, a prude if she doesn't want to sit through an hour of rape jokes when she was raped. Yeah, you know whatever you do with uh, you know whatever you do with that, it was probably a pretty horrible event in her life. Maybe you know she can get up and walk out after a while. I think that's fair enough. <laughs> but and, and <clears throat> this idea that you know comedians are somehow martyrs 
Yeah. Of like, hey, I'm doing my kitty fucking stuff, and I'm doing it for you. <laughs> and it's like, no, look, you're being horrible, but you're being horrible for horrible sake. But you know, come on, you know. Come. And it is possible to be to you know, it's possible to actually be across a line that be- turns from being not to being comedy anymore to just being offensive. Just because you're a comedian doesn't mean you can say anything. So I think it, all I was saying is just think about you know, I was genuinely just saying think about these things, and it was amazing because you're suddenly listed in a list of people who have complained or people yeah. haven't read what you've said at all. And that's yeah. what, that was interesting. Recently, I was kind of picked up for this uh, joke. The, the things that upset the feminists was, was I do a joke, uh, which is. Um, there's a persistent female heckler and she's going on a long time and I eventually say you're very talkative you look you're loquacious you're the kind of girl a, a man put hit oh, yes, you drink and yes. then leave you in the pub right which is and is I, not a rape joke it's actually a not rape joke it's about it's a joke about not raping someone it's a joke about saying the kind of person who puts rehypnol in someone's joke is the worst person in the world. Uh, we all agree that. And you're the kind of you're so bad that that bloke is would someone that idiotic would be you know would just and want also, to put I you think to sleep. Some people can push a uh, an audience's boundaries to the extent where it's just anything you say to them is fair game. Yeah. Where you can even like you know uh, you know put uh, put in the addendum of like you are behaving this appallingly. I'm getting away. With saying this to you, but that's exactly that's the, so. The audience understand that yeah, they're being so annoying that they deserve that thing. And I made the mistake of printing it in the newspaper, which is a different context, and that is kind of important. But you know, that does make it, <laughs> that does make it that does make a difference. But but it was what was interesting was that people were getting offended about a an interpretation of a joke that wasn't what was intended, but also a joke that they hadn't seen the whole context of. This we were saying, oh, so you're saying ugly women deserve to be raped? Is that what you're saying? No, the opposite. No, uh, I'm um, no, I'm not even. It's, no. I would like. <laughs> Stress. I did the hand wave. <laughs> but you know, people, over the radio, people get upset about what you know, and then people have people are getting angry, and this is what happened with Mongate. People get angry about something they think you've said, rather than even looking to see what you actually said. And I so think also there's that, that's from both directions. With I think that. also in Britain there is a degree of uh, the, there is a degree of classism going on of a certain accent. You know, will be allowed to get away like it's dismissed as irony. And uh, other accents can't get away with some things. And it's very weird that, you know, I went, first time I went to New York, I was gobsmacked at just how much people were doing race uh, on stage. Yeah. And some of it was just shit. Yeah. But some of it as well, but I was like offended. But I was doing that pretentious thing of being offended on someone else's behalf. And then I looked around the room and I realised, oh shit, everyone's in. You know, uh, and everyone is laughing. There is a different set of rules going on here because I get it that in England there was a backlash to the end of the pier, hateful, you know, my wife was so black, she's fucking stabbing, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But but, But you have to... But you have to understand that that's your past and that actually the circuit that you once knew doesn't exist anymore. Because Britain is now the feeder system to the international circuit and there are more and more international acts playing here who, I mean, people often talk to me about Bernard Manning. I've never seen him. He is not relevant to me, so I feel no need to backlash against him. In actual fact, the comics I grew up on were all black. I've, like, uh, the the first black uh, comic I ever saw was Flip Wilson. Then I was a huge Richard Pryor fan, a huge Eddie Murphy fan. And, uh, you know, and, and they were the, like, uh, and I, it took me 20 years to realise that I've actually been trying to emulate black American comedy, which is why I've been punched a lot. Um, 
But I actually really crave a black audience. Like when I go to the States, I, I crave black approval almost. And I know that sounds like covert racism. <laughs> and, and I know in England, you're all going, oh, good, my favorite kind. <laughs> you see, I like to take my racism and bury it beneath a mountain of classist pretension and detached irony. But you carry on, convict boy. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I, should just, I should just point out we're in Scotland. Oh, yes. Uh, but uh, apart from that... But it's your podcast. Apart, apart from that, good. It's <laughs> your podcast. You don't have Scottish fans. <laughs> yeah, they're all Scottish. They love it. They love, they love it up them. Um, the, they love it, right. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, the, the funny thing is, is, is I think at some point we stopped being relevant. And it became, like in the UK, it became too much of a white art form because we were so afraid of stepping on people's toes that we then became culturally irrelevant and almost said to this rich tapestry, this hugely multicultural culture in, in, in London and so on, of just, this isn't for you. We've stopped being relevant. And, I, and the weird thing is, I've only realised later in life as well that I, like a lot of white kids that grew up on rap, they feel they won't really have achieved anything until they get approval from the black audience. I grew up on black comics, and until I have a black crowd, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> look at you smiling at me going, Brendan, you'll never be happy. <laughs> you'll get that black crowd, and then you'll be going, why don't the intellectuals love me? <laughs> but all that, but we're, we're going to have to stop in a sec because so we've got some stand-up coming. But, but all those, you know, I went to Montreal, as you've been to Montreal quite recently, and, and all the comedians are doing just, I think it's just bad, jo- and just, it's, oh, really, God, it's yeah. really hack jokes about men all being, you know, cavemen. But to dismiss them as all. Chinese, if you're, you know, Korean, if you're Korean, you're allowed to do oh. basically those jokes that, you know, with and, no one else. And LA, they're not good jokes. That just, Mexicans just get shat on. Yeah. In LA, you know, which, is, which used to be Mexico... I mean, you might notice I don't say jack shit about Aboriginals because, you know, that's my past and we successfully committed genocide and the world's under the delusion that we're surfers. So... <laughs> In cork hats. Yeah. That's, that's what impresses me most. Is the fuck, you, can't, fuck, can't. How you, corky, corky, corky. How you, how you keep that... You keep the hat on when you're surfing. That's what I'm amazed about. But it's, it must have felt like, uh, you know, like in, in, in America. I mean, it's, you're right. It's really base. It's like guys will get up with like, hey, you're Mexican. You mow and you steal. And I'm not even paraphrasing. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Is that? No? What? And like when Obama got elected and all of America's going, yay, racism's over. Yay. <laughs> I think every Mexican must be going, Hello. <laughs> Hello! Meow <laughs> <laughs> meow! <laughs> I've come to steal your lawnmower. That's what they were saying. Uh, so, um, uh, <laughs> look, we'll, we're going to have a quick break with uh, some stand up so you can get Thank out. Thank you so much for having me You're back. Right, well, and thank you for your patience back if any of you sec. missed it last time. We'll oh, be back I in see. a sec. Go fuck off for the minute, though. Oh, okay. Uh, there's Brendan Burns there, ladies. He's quite good when he turns up. He's an interesting man. But well, we've got five minutes uh, of stand-up. I like to... Uh, this uh, next comedian's doing fantastically well this year. I've, I've known for a while on the circuit, and uh, it's great to see her doing so well. So will you please welcome the incredible Gronya Maguire. Hello. Luckily, as an Irish person, we don't have to worry about racism. <laughs> we 
took great pride in the fact we're not racist. Yay! Mainly because we have absolutely no ethnic minorities in our country at all. The nearest we have are travellers. And we hate them. And sort of in the mid-90s, we finally got a bit of money in the country, right? Oh, my God. It all went to our head. We finally got a few different minorities in the country. Turned out, we were racist after all! Nobody saw it coming. We were so surprised. There's almost a bit of glamour involved. Like, I'd ring up my mum, and I go, Oh, mum, how's it going? The Celtic Tiger here, the country's doing really well. She's like, Oh, yeah, it's great. We've got an extension on the house. We go on two holidays a year, and I'm racist. <laughs> like mommy shouldn't brag about that and she's like i was like for hundreds of years irish people have been the minorities we've been the one going to other countries and people have been shitting on us like it's a terrible why would you do that to another minority just because they're in ireland and my mom's like wrong it that's completely different we gave the world river dance <laughs> i was like mom river dance isn't even proper dancing michael flatley just has epilepsy <laughs> Um, brief thing about me because sometimes people see me and they get a little bit confused because there's lots of different shows at the fringe so just so you're completely clear I am not a character act (laughs) is everybody clear on that? the audience are getting why that's funny on the podcast they're like why is that funny? it's because I'm so sexy that's why Um, (laughs) people come and say they genuinely think I'm a character act it's just because my clothes right? They think I'm supposed to be like the ghost of a wartime geography teacher. (laughs) Or like somebody who very well might have had sex with one of the famous five. (laughs) Or just Kirsty Alsop the homeless years. Because I just think I have a look. My look on a good day is somebody Dylan Thomas might have had sex with. (laughs) Like if I'm feeling positive. But most days, I usually look like E.T. when Drew Barrymore dresses him up. (laughs) That is my range. And what I want to talk to you just briefly this evening is... um, Try too hard. Do you know like people who try too hard? Because it's pissing me off with the Olympics now. Everybody's like, we love try too hard. We love them. We love... You know what? You don't. I'm a try too hard. You don't like us. And you know what? We know you don't like us. Do you know why? We remember what you did to Nadine Coyle. <laughs> that girl from Girls Aloud, she went orange through trying so hard. And did that make you like her? Oh, no. Who is your favourite? Oh, we love Cheryl. We love Cheryl. Like, Cheryl, Cheryl can't sing. Cheryl's like, I'm just doing me best. I'm not very good at accents. <laughs> How annoying must it be to, be to be Nadine Coyle seeing Cheryl Cole's solo success? She sang all the Girls Aloud song, all of them, and nobody buys her singles. Everybody loves Cheryl. It must be like being back at school and being the scholarship kid that the teacher pays no attention to because a special needs girl has learned to stop eating crayons. <laughs> That's what it must be like every day for Nadine Cole. Because we don't like try too hard. We laugh at them. We laugh at them. And I think that's why we like shows like The Only Way is Essex. Because that's like the village of the try too hards. Do you watch it? Oh my God, it's the biggest load of shite ever. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing. You're not, if you don't watch it, this, you're not missing out. It's like every week, a bunch of really stupid orange people... Push on and a nativity play. I really lisp at that word. A nativity play. Because nothing happens in it. It's just a load of people going, all right, babes, how are you today? I'm super, thanks very much. Um, I'm really glad we've had this conversation. 
Totally, 100%. That's it! <laughs> the only way it makes sense, if you imagine they've all got tails on their heads, the only way it makes sense, nothing happens in it. It's like a never-ending hen night mixed with Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. <laughs> nothing happens in it. Not missing out on anything. Because I'd like to make... I think we, celebrities make us feel shit about ourselves. And they're taking over everything. They're taking over our imaginations. Like, do you get annoyed when a book gets turned into a film and they re-release the book, but they put the actor on the front cover? That drives me up the wall. Now I can't imagine the book without thinking of that actor in my head. They've taken it too far. I was in a bookshop the other day and I saw a copy of the Bible for sale... Yep, they had Mel Gibson on the front cover. I was like, oh, brilliant, thank you. Now when I want to relax, you know, let off some scene between shows, just relax and read the Bible. I'm going to be imagining some right-wing nutjob who hates women and gays. Ruining it. Completely ruining it. Um, I'm going to leave you on um, my new business venture, right? I'm really excited about it. Because I want to kind of make... I want to make people kind of feel better about where they are in life. Because celebrities... Like, it seems like their job is to make us feel worse. So that's why I want to start a sexy men's magazine, right? A top-shelf sexy men's magazine. And I want to call it Nuts Magazine, right? <laughs> Nuts Magazine. But this one is for men who are sexually aroused by emotionally complicated women. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, my, name, my name is Grania McGuire. My show's at 5.40. Uh, we're all the fun places and there are lots of people that are having better fun. What, you ca- what a catchy title. My agent was so happy when I told her that. Um, come along. Thank you. Bye. Ronnie McGuire there. Here's Brendan. He's back. What is what? I should ask you. What is your show this year, Hannah? What is it called? Oh, what it's is it called, about? Uh, Homestretch Baby, and it's about the glory of middle age from an ex rock and roll comic. Oh. Because if you're not who you wanted to be by the time you turn forty, you really messed up. Shit. Wait till you're forty-five. Really? Yeah. Fuck. It's terrible. I love my forties. How old are you now? I'm 41. Well, but yeah, but you don't you have any idea. <laughs> I loved the first bit, and then... I no, but, well, but my 30s were quite harrowing, as you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and I think I probably had a premature midlife crisis. Yeah. So. Well, I think, we, I think what we all do as comedians... It is, actually, being in your 40s is, is good. You should get right, right to your 40s, mate. I tell you, cut out all the... T- this rubbish when you're 16, 17. <laughs> rubbish. Come 45. That's my advice. I'll swap with you. I'll tell you what, we'll swap. We'll do a little vice versa. <laughs> It'll be fine. Have a great time. Would you be prepared to take that swap? I've got quite a lot of money. Uh, I can have sex with a woman every single day of my life without, if I want. I'm allowed, the same woman. Uh, what? You're fine. You're fine. fine. <laughs> he said that with a tone of like, I am knee deep in fanny. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, look, Dad even went Dad's to high five him. He sure is. You tell him, son. You enjoy it. You enjoy it. It's great. It's the it's best. It's great having a it's boy, isn't it, sir? Yeah. Because when you see that penis come out of your missus and you're like, cool, this is someone else's fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so Brendan Burns, he's a charming young man. Yes. In real life, this is just the character. He's got confused. Uh, so um, we're going to do a competition now where people can win some amazing prizes. Uh, this uh, show is sponsored by Go Faster Stripe, who uh, put out loads of great independent comedy. So we can down, you can download quite a lot of the shows if you don't. Great company. Very good company. I've got I've got Tony Law's Brain Porium for you today, which is he's a fantastic comedian. On just before me in this room, if you want to go and see him as a guest on Thursday, I think tomorrow we've got Sarah Millican coming down and doing. Uh, She's not doing any more Edinburgh shows. I don't know if there are any tickets left. Uh, Collings and Herring, Earth, Wind and Fire. Not bad, eh? If you miss them, those two. Richard Herring, Menage Un. Mm. You can find out what I was doing in my 30s. That was my last show of my 30s, I think. <laughs> uh, and Richard Herring's What Is Love Anyway. Up to date, that's the latest one. All of over from Go... How many um, Edinburgh shows... <laughs> my uh, voice is still breaking, uh, young man. Uh, how many... What? I just did it again. Yeah. How many Edinburgh shows have you done? I've done about 34 or in total. Wow! Uh, so with all the double acts and the plays and everything, yeah. I've done. But the, uh, the I've done nine different stand-up shows now. It is hysterical to me when people go, "How do you do a new hour every year?" I'm like, "It's a year, you lazy." <laughs> 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 I discard two hours. <laughs> yeah, it's you know we do we do get through a lot. So anyway, you can win all those tickets to um, Will Hodgson, who's brilliant, and uh, Dave Longley for today as well, uh, and a stand USB stick and a thing. I want a copy of. I've got given loads. I've gone nuts. T- a copy of Talking Cock as well, which is also available. Oh, Holly, go faster, strike. Holly, are you still in the building? Can we give out the uh, double passes to my show? Can yeah. we give two tickets away to someone in the crowd? Have they? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And some two tickets to Brendan Burns. And two tickets to Talking Cock as well tonight. How about that? We're, going, we're raising the stakes. Anyone okay. else got some tickets? They want to get... All right. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have to get on because we've got to do this quite quickly. So everyone needs to stand up. We're going to make some statements that are either true or false. If you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom. If you get it wrong, you have to sit down. My first statement is that uh, Rodney Buse, the Lightly Lads uh, actor... Uh, was did a trial for Portsmouth Football Club? Is that true or false? Back in the in the in the day, true or false? Don't you sit down if you think it's they sit down if they get wrong. So oh. they put hands on the bottom if they think it's uh, it is. Oh, false. half a hand here. It's, Look at this. It's, it's, it's false. So you have got to sit down if you uh, said that. Well, I think it is. I don't know. I just made it up. It'd be <laughs> extraordinary if it's true. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some more news on the Rodney Bues, Jimi Hendrix. Um, Lightly Lads theme story tomorrow. I've got some more information about it. Uh, have you got a statement or truth or falsehood that you would like to give? Uh, I once gave out 10 kilograms of mushrooms to the Glastonbury audience in a vain attempt to prove that God existed. True or false? <laughs> What's, which is the hands? The, they put their hands on their head think it's true. They put their hands on the bottom and think it's Everyone false. just shot up like that. <laughs> uh, it is true. It is yes. true. <laughs> so sit <laughs> It down if you said false. Um, the actor Rodney Buse <laughs> uh, was once married to uh, the um, woman from the Liver Birds whose name Neris Hughes. Is that true or false? Don't know, I've made it up again, so I should think it's, it's false. <laughs> um, uh, okay, uh, my father, Alan Burns, once woke me up at 3am to draw up plans uh, to put out the Q8 all fires in the 80s. <laughs> I don't even understand the question. It's, uh, it's bit, what was that? Uh, you're saying it's not true? Uh, not They're true? saying false. There's a couple of true over there. Uh, it's true. Go it's fuck true. yourselves. So sit down. Particularly so, you, Mr. Scoffy Posh Cunt. So there's two... 
There's two people left in who are together. They've been going together all the way through. That's nice. Uh, to divide you two, I'm going to... I've been swimming today. This is my tradition. I'm surprised people aren't down by the pool fucking taking notes because this is... If you were committed to winning this, you could just count how many laps I'm doing. How many lengths uh, swimming do you think I did this morning? Uh, I've done, did, my lowest I've ever done is 16. My highest is 30. How many, madam, do you think I did today? Give me a number. Doesn't really make any difference since you're together. You're going to fucking share these things anyway. What? <laughs> How many? 20. 20. And sir? Or madam is it as well? I can't see, sorry. 24. So I, I genuinely can't see any, anything in there. So uh, 24. The answer is uh, 18 today. So uh, you have won there, madam. Thank you very much. You've won those tickets and all that stuff. <laughs> Pass that back. I'm going to give, okay, don't lose the thing, I'm going to give you a t- tickets to Dave Longley. He's fantastic. And uh, has anyone else been particularly good today? Not really. Oh, Dave, well, Dave was very helpful. There you go. You can have some tickets to Will Hodgson. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Tomorrow is Sarah Millican uh, and uh, Pete Johansson doing the stand-up, who's fantastic as oh, well. Oh, he's great. So uh, do come along to that, buy your tickets quickly. And thank you very much to my guest today, Brendan Burns. Thank you for having me back. And Gronje Maguire. Thank you for your patience. See you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Bye.